Father God, we give you praise. We give you glory. For you take the gloom. You fill us with glory. You take the darkness and fill us with light. You take the sin and cleanse us white as snow. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your word and your blessing. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. This has been a good week for me. I like telling John and Harold and them, you got to be prepared for this day. It's an amazing thing. We like it. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel. We're going to be looking out of Ezekiel. And we're going to look at verse 37, 1 through 10. So can we pull it up? Oh, we can? Okay. Now, Ezekiel is caught right in the middle of a vision. And actually, he's probably there in the flesh. Because he says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley of dry bones. Can you pull it up, Deb? Okay. Now watch this. And the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of dry bones. Let's go to number two. And caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Let's go to the next one. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinew and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them about above, but there was no breath in them. Now watch this. And he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come, for, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I think there's one more. So I prophesied, and as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Now here's one thing that we know. We know he's talking about Israel, and we know that Israel is right now, the, Israel is 90% liberal and 90% atheistic. And we, you would think that, that the Jewish people would believe in Jehovah, at least, but they don't. And the, the, the Israelites have always wandered away from God. They have always chased the god Baal, and they have always chased the god Moloch. And, 
And they've always wandered away from the Lord. And the Lord has allowed many things to come against them to bring them back. Now, here's what Paul says in Romans. He said, all of Israel will be saved. And what he's saying is there's going to be a great revival in Israel. But that's not what I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm going to talk about us because I think it needs to pertain to us. And so I'm looking at this. And in, in uh, Revelation, would you bring up Revelation 7-1? And, and I want to show you something here in Revelation 7-1. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the, the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor any other tree, any tree. And so when we look at the wind, what we see is the breath of God. And so here's what we, we see in, in this valley uh, of dry bones. We see a people who have died and have laid dead, and God let them fall by the enemy where they were. Now, I look at that, and I hear people preach all the time about the valley of dry bones and how the church is dry. But understand something here. How many of you know dead men can't hear? That's me. That's interesting. So you're watching me on TV and I'm right here? That is amazing. I'm hearing my own voice. Was it good? Okay. Now I, I forgot where I was at. Okay, thank you. I, I remember now. But, but I hear him preach about the dry bones and how dry and dead the church is. Maybe, I don't know. But, but, but I know that God is bringing a renewal and a revival to the United States of America to true worshipers. I'm not saying that he's doing that in every place that calls themselves a church. I'm saying with true worshipers. And, and I know that the Methodists take a really hard hit. Okay, but God right now is doing a great revival in the Methodist church. And I, I see them coming back to life like never before. But when I, when I read this, I don't, <clears throat> I don't ever see that God is, is, is saying to the dry bones that they need to prophesy. They can't prophesy because they're dead, and they're dry, and they've been dead for a long, long time. But, uh, but God is talking to Ezekiel, and he's saying something to Ezekiel. He's saying, Ezekiel, Ezekiel what I want you to do is that I want you to look at the impossible. He's saying, I want you to look at the impossible. God will say that to you. He's saying, I want you to look at the impossible. Now listen, I, I'm not against doctors. I like doctors. I mean, they opened up my chest, took my heart out, and put a cow inside of me. You know, I, when, when I had this, this open heart surgery and, and uh, Dr. Swabby, she said, the pastor, she said, do you want a mechanical valve or do you want an animal valve? And I said, well, I don't put my foot in my mouth. And she said, why is that? And I said, well, I told, them they, I told my church, I said, they ain't put no pig valve in me. And she said, well, it's a cow. You'll be all right. And I said, okay, praise God. So I, I, got, I got bovine inside of me. And, and I think what they did, didn't they? they opened up my chest and, and broke my chest open and took my heart and put it in their hand. That's strange. That's weird when you think of that. Anybody here besides me had open heart surgery? I'm the only one. That's amazing. They open up your chest and put your heart. They messing with your heart, man. They cut it open and it's not working. You understand that, right? And then they have to shock. 
What are you laughing at, John? Oh, yeah, blame it on Jill. Yeah, okay. So they, they take your heart, and do they open it up to put that valve in there? I don't know. Anyway, they have to shock it to get it going. And uh, I heard they had to shock me twice, okay? And, and I'm laying there, and, you know, they shave you from your head all the way down to your feet. Why they do that, I haven't got any idea. But they do. They shave you. And, and I was laying there almost nude, and my son come in to see me, and he wouldn't take a picture of me and put it on Facebook. And that nurse said, he'll kill you when he wakes up. And so she wouldn't let him do that. Praise God, I'm glad she didn't. They'd probably ask me to resign, dear land, you know. <clears throat> but I, I thank God for doctors. Now, I, I know that my dad believed in divine healing, and he wouldn't go to a doctor. And I know we had earaches and sore throats and everything. I wish he hadn't believed so much in divine healing and just took me to a doctor and got an antibiotic inside of me because that's technology. Technology's good. There's nothing wrong with technology, and I believe in doctors. But let me tell you something. I believe when the doctor says no, then we go to God and see what he says because he's the great physician. He's the one that says yes and no when it comes to life. He is the healer, the deliverer, and the resurrector. Can you say amen to that? So, so I, I'm looking at this valley of dry bones, and I'm saying, okay, so, so Ezekiel is the one that now has to preach to a dead church. Now, I look at the dead church, and people have a hard time with the dead church, but dead men can't do anything. Dead men can't hear. Dead men can't speak. Dead men can't walk. They can't do anything. And so you can get in that valley all day long, and you can talk to them bones, but if God's not in it, there's nothing going to happen. Everybody understand that, right? And so, you know, everything in our life, God has got to be in it. And so God is bringing revival today like we've never seen before. But what God is doing, he is taking ministers and he is taking the different ones who are speaking for him. And he's saying that we need to speak to the dry bones. And understand something, you can't give no fault to the dry bones other than they were defeated and they are laying there dead. And they were defeated, and that's why they're dead. And so we look at the church today, and many, many churches are defeated, and they are laying dead. Because they have refused to believe not only can God save, because most churches anymore don't even give an altar call that God can save, God can heal, and God can deliver. Listen, you can walk out one man and come back a new man if you want to in the Lord Jesus Christ. I love, I love the, the testimony that Tom Heath has. Tom Heath was, had every addiction that was known to man, and he finally just got tired of living that way because he knew he wasn't going to get to live very long if something didn't happen. And so he, he just was watching TV one day, and he saw Pastor Jeff Adams, uh, the Baptist church in Kansas City, and, he, and Adams was given an altar call, and Heath called him up, and he said luckily he got in there. Well, God had his hand in that. And so Adams just says, come on over here. And so he, he didn't tell Tom he had changed his life. What he told Tom was he needed the Lord as his Savior. And Christ came into his life, and here's what his wife said. His wife said he left one man and came back another. See, what she didn't understand, he left a dead man and came back a live man. How many of you understand that? He left, a he left as a dead man, and he came back as a live man. Now, now listen. You might be dry, and, and you might not be able to do anything with what's going on in your life, but God can. God can. Now, God breathes on people, and when God breathes the breath of life, people come to life. 
And so God, he, he, creates, he creates everything that can be created. Everybody say amen to that. Now he comes down to man, his last, his last creation that he's going to do. And he looks at man, and he, he forms man out of the dust of the clay. And when he does, he looks. Now man is just laying there. He's a, he's a man. He's been made, but there's no life in him. And there's no life in him because there's no breath in him. And so what God does, God, the Bible says that God did CPR on him. Do you know that? He breathed into his nostrils, and man became a living soul. Now, now, an animal has a soul, but he doesn't have a living soul. And it says that man became a living soul, which means that man now is going to live forever somewhere. Now, I know that we, we don't believe in hell anymore, and we don't believe in heaven, but heaven is very real, and so is hell. Hell is very real, and when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, listen, then that guy, Adam, is going to get a chance to either go to heaven or hell. He's going to make the decision on that. But before God, God breathes into him, he's just a lump of clay. He's just laying there. And so when God takes Ezekiel into the valley of dry bones, here is this dead army. Here is this army that's laying there. It cannot do anything because there's no life in it. And so here's what God says to Ezekiel. He said, can these bones live? That's what he said to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel's probably thinking, I'm not God. What would you say if God took you into a cemetery and said, can every one of these people come out of here if you prophesy to them? And here's, here's what Ezekiel said. He said, only thou knowest. The King James says that. He says, only thou knowest. And that's truth. Only you know God. And so what God says, he says, call on the four winds. And he said, and breathe life into these people. Now here's what I want you to understand. We are coming to a point where God will stop tolerating what's going on. And when he stops tolerating what's going on, then men will know who he is. Now, I want you to hear this. All men, every single man on planet earth that is alive, has the breath of God in them. And the only way men live today is because of a common grace that God has given to all men. Not eternal grace, common grace. Because if God didn't give common grace to all men, then the devil would take every human being out that he could because, listen to me, you might serve the devil, but he doesn't love you. You might serve him, but he's not loyal to you. There's no truth and no love and no loyalty or honor in the devil. How many of you know that? So men today that are driving by here that are not saved are living because of the breath of God. And when God breathed on man, man became a living being. How many of you understand that? And when he became a living being, now that living being is either going to trust God or he's not going to trust God 
But what God will do one day is take that common breath out of man and he goes back to the dust of the earth. Just like that. So we have to have that living breath. Now in Revelation 7-1, here's what it says. And God said this. He says to the angels, he says, hold back the four winds. He says, hold back the four winds. It's an interesting thing in Ezekiel that God said, when you breathe, breathe on the, breathe, prophesy to the four winds. Because the four winds are the breath of God that brings men back to life. Now watch what happens in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, when, when he starts prophesying, there's an old Negro spiritual song that's great. Oh, yo, dry bones. I'd I, I, I try singing it, but you'd all laugh at me. Okay. And, and, but it's really, oh, hear the words of the Lord. And it talks about Daniel running to and fro. Okay. But can you imagine Daniel when he's speaking and all of a sudden these bones begin to rattle? There has to be a rattle first. How many of you understand that? The rattling has already taken place. God has already spoken through his prophets. And what he's spoken to his prophets, I want you to hear this. The United States is under judgment. And we can do everything that we want to do. We can be the biggest humanitarian in the world. We can send all the money in the world. But nothing's going to change until we stop killing babies. You need to give me an amen on that. Now, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to try to teach you something this morning that I want you to hear, okay? When a person is created of God and born, he's written in the book of life. So we tell people, we say to people, we say, if you'll get saved, God will write your name in the book of life. No, your name's already written in the book of life. How many of you understand that? that you say, well, that's a new teaching. Listen to me. Your name is written in the book of life. You come to the end of your life and you're about to die and you're not saved. When you take that last breath, God erases your name out of the book of life. He says, he says in the book of Revelation very many times, he says, listen, I'll blot your name out. Why is abortion so wrong? Abortion is so wrong because when that baby is created, that baby is created by Jesus and when that baby is created, he's written in the book of life. He's not an it. He or she is not an it. It is a human being, a person that has a living soul. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when we take the life of that baby, we have committed murder. Abortion means slaughter, and abortion means murder. And the, the, the God Baal that was in, in, in Israel all that time was the God of abortion. The God of Moloch was, was a God of abortion. And listen to me, we, we want this country to come together. When we, we get a hold of stop killing people, and the Bible says when, when a nation starts to shed innocent blood, and any time it talks about innocent blood, it's talking about babies. How many of you know that? And when it's talking about the souls that are under the altar and they're crying out to Jesus, many people believe that are babies right now that are being slain. Since 1973, we have killed anywhere from 60 to 80 million people. And they're called babies. Listen, Hitler only killed 6 million Jews. And we think Hitler was a horrible person. Understand something. We think that 9-11 was something because 3,000 
People were killed that day. Listen to me, we're killing over 3,000 people every day. Every single day. It's called babies. And when we do that, so we're under judgment and understand what God's doing. Here's what God's saying. He said, you're dead or in a wedge. He said, you're dead or in a wedge because you stand up in church and you praise me and you sing, but you do not do anything to stop what's going on. Listen to me, the church needs to stand up and be vocal about things that are wrong. And listen to me, abortion is wrong and abortion is not of God. And God has brought us under judgment. And we have allowed the liberals to actually take over and do everything that they want to do. And we have backed up. And why have we backed up? Because the church will not say anything about the blood that's being shed. Now listen, when Ezekiel goes into that boneyard, here's what he sees. He sees a lot of dead bones. But when he starts to prophesy, there is a rattling that takes place. Listen, there's a rattling that's already taken place in churches. And I'm not I'm talking across the board. I am not talking about a denomination. I'm saying in the true church of God, there is already a rattling that's been taking place. And then he also said this, he said, I'm going to cover them with muscle. I'm going to put ligaments and tendons together. I'm going to make those. And that has already started to take place in the church because, listen, there is a revival that is about ready to take place. And when this revival takes place, the devil's going to be raging. And he's going to be raging mad. And let me tell you why he's going to be raging mad. Because, listen, the only way that the devil can get in get anywhere is when the church becomes apostate or when the church falls away. How does the church fall away? It's not by people not going to church. People are going to church. It's by the preacher not preaching what he needs to preach. It's by the evangelist and the teacher. Listen to what it is. It's that we are not preaching the word of God because we're afraid. And what are we afraid of? We're afraid that we won't get the money we need. Anytime you see the word fear, that takes away from your faith because fear and faith cannot coexist. So we see that the body has come together. Now it's laying there dead or in a wedge. It doesn't make any difference. The bone rattled and they came together. Ligaments came together. Then flesh come upon them. <clears throat> laying there. Man, if we saw that in the church today, we'd be victorious, wouldn't we? We probably wouldn't be going for the rest of it. But then, you see, there is a breath that needs to be taken place. And the breath is the breath of God. And the breath of God comes from the four corners of the world. Understand this. He's got the whole world surrounded that God does. God is just not in this church. I know that you think he's in this church and he's nowhere else. But God is not just in this church. And God is not just in St. Joseph. Let me tell you something. God is everywhere. God knows everything. Every time you sin, God doesn't turn his face. He's watching everything that we do. God does. And so what happens is, he says now, he says, Son of man, it, this is going to be up to you. And you need to prophesy to the wind. You need to prophesy to the wind. He said, you need to prophesy to the wind. Because that wind is my breath. And the only way that they are going to live again is by my breath. And so what he does, he starts to prophesy. 
Listen to me. He's just doing what God is telling him to do. And God is talking to us ministers. He's talking to you elders. He's talking to the teachers. Listen, he's talking to the church. And he's wanting us to be obedient. He's not telling us to do anything but to prophesy. And he says, if you'll prophesy, you'll read my word, you'll speak my word as it is supposed to be spoken. He said, if you'll prophesy, he said, I will breathe on them. Now, what is this breath that we're talking about? Let me tell you what this breath is. This breath is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many of you understand that? He says to them, he says to them, he said, they are not going to live until they get this spiritual life in them, and that is the breath of the Holy Spirit. We all have the common breath. That's common breath right there. And you only get to do that because God made you that way. And here's something that we really don't understand. Do you know that God breathes? That's an interesting thing. Why Does God breathe to stay alive? We breathe to stay alive. But God breathes. Does he breathe to stay alive? I don't think so. I think he breathes so he can breathe on us. And once he breathes on us, the healing takes place. The deliverance takes place. And when that stuff starts to take place, then it becomes global and we'll see a nation, I mean a global revival. There is a revival that's going to run right along with tribulation. How many of you know that? And so what's going to take place is the greatest revival of all times is going to take place along with the greatest famine and drought that's going to take place. They're going to run parallel, and when they run parallel, you're going to find out who really loves the Lord. And so what we have is that we have this man, he's laying there just like Adam, and God breathed into the the, the nostrils of man. He became a living soul, but he also breathed common grace on him. Now listen, you're living right now in common grace and you need to thank the Lord for that because you're able to breathe. Talk to a man that has COPD. Talk to somebody that has emphysema and can't breathe. Talk to them. That is a hard life that they have when you can't breathe. All right? So we have that grace that God allows us to breathe in the natural, but there is a spiritual breath that God wants to breathe on us and that is the breath of his Holy Spirit. Now, when we see them in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, this is an amazing thing. What we see that comes through that room is the breath of God. We see God coming through there on the breath of God. Now, listen to me, people. Hear me. God is going to breathe on us one more time. One more time. Listen, God hasn't given up and left us. And contrary to what they say, God's not dead. God's alive, and he's not more alive than he's ever been. He's always been alive, and he always will be alive. We might be more alive than what we've ever been, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed at all, and the, and, and, and the breath of God is still the breath of God. Here's my question. Has God breathed on you? In that upper room, listen to what took place in that upper room. And, and the Bible says this. They were sitting, by the way, like you are right now. I know we Pentecostals think that's jumping up and down and doing all kinds of stuff. They wasn't doing it at all. They just sitting there. They was really, really, they just just like you are. They're sitting there. The difference between them and you, they're in one accord. They're in one mind. They was in one likeness. When we get that way and we're coming to that, 
we're coming to that. I love going out of the country and preaching because when I do, there is no Baptist. There is no Methodist. There's none of those titles. It's just the church itself. I heard a Methodist minister <clears throat> preach in, in Uganda. That was a powerful message. And, and, I, and I said to him, I said, man, I wish our preachers preached like that in, in, in America, the Methodist preachers. And he said this, he said, here in Uganda, he said, we don't have titles. He said, we don't have nothing. Uganda is one of the most unsanitary places and poorest places in the world. He said, the only thing that we get to rely on is God. He said, so we rely on his word. When we get that desperate for the Lord, things are going to start changing. Give me an amen on that. So what happens is in that upper room, then God just start breathing. Now what's taking place, his son has died. And we're going to be celebrating that in a few weeks. He's rose from the dead. And he has walked on this earth for 40 days, showing himself to many people. And so he ascended on the 40th day. And on the 50th day, he sent back his spirit. Now understand, why do you send back his spirit? Because a live man don't have a ghost. And so what he's going to do, he's going to send back his Holy Ghost, or he's going to send back his Holy Spirit. Now, it's an interesting thing. People say, when did the disciples get saved? And, and we talk about when the disciples get saved. But listen to what Jesus did. And he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. That's when they got saved. But when did they get saved? They didn't get saved uh, and, and when he gave them authority to go out and cast the demons out of people and heal the sick. They didn't get saved then. When they got saved, he breathed upon them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. That's when they got saved. And that's when things started turning around for them. And so in the upper room, now they're in the upper room. They're already saved. And now what do they need? They need a baptism that's going to get them through the times because they are dry and they need God. And you say they're not. Let me, let me tell you something. They all run. They were afraid of children. They were, they were scared half to death. Josephus, when, when he's doing the history on, on the resurrection of Jesus, do you know he had some of those people killed because he had the right to life and death? And when he brought those Roman soldiers in there and he said, how could this happen? And they said, well, the, the, the disciples came and stole his body away. And, and old Josephus is sitting back there and said, you're telling me that these 11 men who are scared half to death and run overtook you, a cohort of Roman soldiers. He said, you don't know what happened to his body. And by the way, Josephus came to the conclusion that he rose from the dead. He might not have given his heart to the Lord, but he rose from the dead. So what happens is in that upper room now, God is going to breathe on these with his breath that is going to change these men forever. And so what he does in that upper room, he breathes on them. And when he breathes on them, he fills them with the Holy Spirit and everything about them is going to change. They're going to speak with the tongue they've never heard before. They're going to, they're going to have power when it comes to healing. But here's the, here's the thing that they're going to have that they never had. Is that they have the power to die. Now see, do you have the power to die? You've got to ask yourself that question. In Acts 1.8, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you 
you shall be my witnesses. And that word witness in the Greek means martyr. You shall be my martyrs. You shall be my sufferers. You shall. I'm going to give you power to be a martyr. I'm going to give you power to suffer because I'm going to breathe on you my breath and it's going to keep you. How many of you understand that today's day, listen, do you have the power in you, do I have the power in me to stand in this last day? Because I'm going to show you something in about a minute. Because, see, here's what we need to understand. There is Jesus, and Jesus is coming. And that rapture is not too far away. And I know many churches anymore, they don't believe in the rapture. They believe in a mid-tribulation rapture, or they believe in a post-tribulation rapture. I'm telling you that Jesus is ready to come. Listen to me. All the prophecies of the rapture has taken place that Paul the Apostle has spoken about. All of the scriptures spoken towards the second coming have not taken place, and they can't take place until tribulation starts. But when it comes, man, you guys are listening to me. Wow, that is good. Okay, so when, when, when the rapture is about to take place, it can only happen when all the scriptures have been fulfilled. The scriptures have been fulfilled concerning the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church can take place any time. Listen, when is Antichrist going to take his place? Listen, Antichrist, according to Paul's Thessalonians, is going to take place when the church is apostate and falls away. The devil has a problem. And the reason why the devil has a problem is because God has breathed on you. Do you not realize that if there were no other Christians left in the world save what's in this church right now, if we was the only people left, the devil can't do anything. He's still, he's still handcuffed. He's got to get rid of the people of God. And why? Because God's breath is in them. And that means if God's breath is in them, they have the strength and their might and the authority of God. How many of you understand that? He has got to get rid of the church. Well, he's not going to get rid of the church, but understand what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to come for the church, and the church is going to leave this, this, this uh, earth. How many of you understand that there is a coming of the Lord called the rapture, and it is about to take place? Now, when that rapture takes place, tribulation is going to start, and when it starts, there's going to be judgment like we've never seen before. We're already in judgment. God is already allowing things to happen to us. Now here's what we got. So in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1, you don't need to go there. Here we go. In Re Revelation uh, uh, chapter 1, it's an interesting thing. He says to the angels, he says, hold, ba hold back the four winds. What are you saying? Hold back my breath. Now here's what you've got to understand. Without the natural wind, men will die. Because the wind is so important. The wind is what causes the waves of the ocean for the ocean to keep moving. The wind and the moon. The, wind, the moon will be turned to blood. The wind will quit. Now, when the wind quits, the, the plant life starts to die. Now, listen to what he says. He says, hold back the four winds. But hold on for a little while because, here's what he says. He says, we have got to seal 144,000 people. And those 144,000 are going to be 12,000 out of each tribe of God. 
Now there's two tribes that is not going to be in there, and that is Dan and Ephraim. And the reason why they're not going to be there is because they was caught in idolatry while they're still in the wilderness. And God said, I'm going to take your inheritance away from you, and you're not getting it back. Okay, so now we have 12 tribes. And so we have Manasseh is put in there. But anyway, we have the 12 tribes. And listen to what he's going to do. He's going to seal 12,000 young men that have never, that, that are pure, that have never touched a woman, that have never lied and not been defiled. God has them waiting for him. 144,000 to the man. There's not going to be 144,000 and one, or there's not going to be 139,000. There's going to be 144,000 young men who are going to preach the gospel, and Israel itself will be saved because of the preaching of these young men. How many of you understand that? And the breath of God is going to blow on them, and when the breath of God blows on them, they are going to become powerful witnesses of the Lord. He says, and so do not hold my breath back until they have come to know me to be my witnesses. See, God's not going to hold back his breath on you because he wants you to be a witness. And he wants me to be a witness. Is this making sense to anybody? But listen to what he's going to do. Then he's going to hold his breath. And he's going to stop the four winds. Then when he stops the four winds, every chaotic thing under the sun is going to start to take place. Now listen, we have revelation given to us at this time that God wants soul winners. He wants people to evangelize. He wants us to become strong in the faith. You have an addiction, lay it down. You say, I can't. Listen, the Lord will help you lay that addiction down. He will take that thing from you. You have an addiction, whatever you have. Listen, whatever is stopping you from being that person God wants you to be, lay it at the feet of Jesus because you can be who God wants you to be. That's what he wants. Listen, I'm about to end this. But I want you to hear this. In Isaiah chapter 66, 1 and 2, put it up, if you would, please. I love this. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye may build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? Let's go to 2. For all those things hath mine, for all those Things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembling at my voice. Here's what God wants from you. Here's what he wants from me. He wants us to be humble and have a contrite spirit. Listen to me. Why? Have we become the way we've become? We've come that way because we've allowed two spirits in the church, all churches, this one included. We've allowed the spirit of humanism to come in and the spirit of secularism to come in. And Isaiah said, Woe unto them. In Isaiah 31, he says, Woe unto them who go to Egypt for help and trust in their chariots, and trust in their horses. Woe unto them who trust in humanism. Humanism says there is no God, we're God. 
Secularism says there's no God, there's never going to be a God, and we need to take care of this ourselves. It's an amazing thing. And we've allowed that to come into our churches. We have allowed ourselves to let abortion be a norm in our life. God made a woman and God made a man. Listen to me. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. God made a woman and God made a man. He didn't make a whole bunch of genders. He didn't make that. He made a woman and he made a man. It don't make any difference what you think. If you're a man, you're going to stand before him as a man. If you're a woman, you're going to stand before him as a woman. The secularism and humanism have come in and we have given in to it. And God stopped breathing. God stopped breathing. And why did God stop breathing? God stopped breathing because he can't condone those sins. Now listen to me, people. You don't want to get mad at me. You can if you want to. But those things are abominations. Now listen, when you stand before the Lord and you're not saved, you're going to be judged for your sin. And he'll wait till you pass away. But the abominable things God judges now. He holds back his breath and he'll withhold from that nation. He'll withhold from that body. That's what he does. So is he withholding from our nation? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I just got through reading a book, The Plandemic Indoctrination. And what it is, it's about all of the COVID-19, the AIDS, and everything, how they brought it together. And it blew me away. And I guess I'm about the only one that didn't know it. But I, did, I didn't know that if you <clears throat> made a synthetic virus, that you could put a patent on it. I didn't know that. And so then when you have a synthetic virus and there's a patent on it, whoever gets the, the antidote for that virus, they get royalties on that. I did not know. Did anybody, am I the only one here that didn't know that? I did not know that. And so then I did not know that Bill Gates, George Soros, and different ones have a patent on COVID-19. And they have, they get all the royalties off of all the vaccinations. I didn't know that. I read this book. I, it blew my mind. It took all the way, it went all the way back to the AIDS epidemic with Dr. Fauci. I didn't know that. Here's what happened. You know why I didn't know that? Because we allowed secularism and humanism to come in here and blind us and not be able to see it. Boy, you're all quiet on me today, but you are listening. That's a good thing. I like that. When I hear you snoring, I'll say, and in conclusion. So somebody snore real quick. I didn't know that. Listen why the, the winds have stopped blowing. The winds have stopped blowing because we have allowed things to happen, and they have now become our norm. And our kids going through state schools do not understand any different than what's taken place. That's an amazing thing. And it's a norm. Listen to me. Abortion is murder. 
And God made a man and God made a woman. That was to procreate, to keep this whole world going. And by the way, it's going to continue until Jesus comes. So here's what he said. He said, one day my breath is going to stop breathing. So he says to, so he says to uh, uh, Ezekiel, he says, can these bones live? You see, the pressure is not on you, the pressure is on me. The pressure is not on you. Pressure's on me. So he says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, wow, I don't know. You do, though. So that's what God's saying to me. Can these bones live? And I'm saying, Lord, I don't know. But you know. And he said, well, then I want you to speak to him. I want you to prophesy to him. And he starts to prophesy. And that's what I've done today, prophesy. And then he said, I want you to call on the four winds. And I want you to breathe. And I want you to breathe on these that are slain. And when he breathed his breath on those who were slain, a mighty army of God rose from the dead. Stand with us, if you would. I will not in my heart give the United States over to the communists and the socialists. I will not in my heart, I will not be, I will not speak badly about President Biden because he's the president. I do not agree with him in any respect whatsoever. But I will be like David when it came to Saul. I will not touch the anointed of God. You say he's not the anointed. He's sitting in the anointed chair. And so as he's sitting in the anointed chair, however he got there, he is still sitting there as the anointed. So I will not come against the anointing. I will tell you I do not appreciate his politics, nor the liberal progressives, or woke, or anything of that nature. But I refuse to let my mouth speak evil of the anointing. Not of them, but of the anointing. But I will not allow you to believe that communism is right. That socialism is right. Totalitarianism is not right. None of these things are right. And we are headed in that direction. And the liberals are moving us into that direction. If you are a liberal, quit being a liberal. I am neither a liberal nor a conservative. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm a born-again believing Christian. And believe God's word. Listen to me. It is not normal to kill babies. And it is not normal to have transgender. That's not normal. How many of you understand that the word of God tells us what is normal? Now listen to me. When we come to the conclusion that we love people and we will preach to them the word of God, but not tolerate sin, not people, you got to love people, then God will start to do something. And here's what my request is to the Lord. Use me to breathe on this congregation. Use me. Pastor Bill, that needs to be you. 
Breathe, you pastors in here, breathe on us to breathe this congregation. You go home, you breathe on your children. How do you breathe on your children? The word of the living God. It heals aneurysms. It heals diabetes. I have to say diabetes because when I say diabetes, all the kids in my school correct me. Mr. Gray, that's wrong. Okay, so diabetes. God can heal cancer. God can heal. I am not afraid of COVID-19. I walked right into houses where people have it bad and prayed for them. I shame on the hospitals for not letting us in there to pray for our people. Shame on them. That was one way the enemy just kept us out. Shame on that. But listen, I'm not afraid. Listen, let God breathe. If you'd go to the piano doors and give me a, give me a key of C. Harold, you might want to come on up here, you guys. But God's a healer. We had, we had a pastor's conference uh, this past February in Alabama. In both of my ears, I was losing hearing in both my ears for the last six months. In this ear, I couldn't hear out anything. In this ear, I was losing my hearing. I couldn't hardly hear anything. Pastor, we sat at the table, I couldn't hear him. And at that conference, God healed me. And my, eye, my ears just opened up. And I will tell you, I was a little bit like a lot of people. I'm thinking, are they going to close again? You know. But they're still open. And I can hear. So I can sing again. This is amazing. God can heal. And he can deliver. You went out one man. Come in a new man that's alive. God still fills with his Holy Spirit. He still breathes.